92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Welcome to Big Blend Radio's Author Sunday Show with Books Forward. Today, we are thrilled to welcome writer and author Lori McCullen. Uh, she is the author of the new novel. It's called Among the Beasts, and it shares the remarkable story of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. She is the woman who saved the Everglades. She totally rocks, period. <laughs> She's an amazing woman. Uh, so excited that the book is out, and Nancy and I both started reading it, and Lori is a phenomenal mm -hmm. writer, so we encourage yes. you to get it. It's out now through She Writes Press. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, bookshop.org, I think, is one of the best places, too. But go to her website. It's lorimcmullen.com, and that's L-O-R-I-M-C-M-U-L-L-E-N. So welcome, Lori. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, it's good to have you. I have to go and you know spell your name out for everybody just to prove I can spell. <laughs> Thank you. And very excited about your book. Your writing is incredible to me because you really put us in a sense of place, you know, and just even just, you know, being that person and then just being being the sense of place. I was like right there. And um, Nancy and I travel full-time documenting parks and public lands and it actually started our tour uh, in 2012 January we took a trip down to the Everglades oh, really? we were actually mm -hmm. doing a radio show at a um, tropical plant expo in Fort Lauderdale mm -hmm. but we said well you know if we're going there we yes. have to go to the Everglades and Absolutely. we mm -hmm. fell in love with I mean and we used to live in Florida there is a magic there's like a quirky crazy mystical swampy magic <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so this is an area that you grew up going to right yeah um so I grew up in a suburb of Miami called Kendall and it's southwest of Miami and at the time where I lived it was very much right on the edge of where the Everglades began and where development ended you know you didn't have to go very far west before you were fully in the Everglades um and you know as I grew up and got older and I, I went away to college and you know, it, as time passed, the development went further and further and further out and the Everglades mm. got further and further away. Um, so I felt like, you know, when I was little, they were kind of in my backyard. And by the time I left for college, they were much further away. And wow. Yeah. Just noticing that change over huh. childhood was really mm. strange and mm. said a lot about what was happening in the area. Mm. And the Everglades, isn't it really just also important for water for Florida? Oh, it's so important. I mean, there are scientists who could speak much more um, in depth about it than I can. But what I do know is that the whole entire system of the Everglades, all the way up to Lake Okeechobee, um, the water drifts down, you know, the rainfall 
falls on Lake Okeechobee, the water drifts down through Big Cypress and through the Everglades. It's so important to the water table um, underneath the grounds. And, you know, it's the rock and the earth beneath the Everglades is oolite and limestone, and it's very porous and the water trickles down. And that water table that's under there is super important for all the big cities in South Florida. I mean, the the viability of that water table is what keeps the seawater out of the drinking water reserves. And, you know, there's, again, I can't go into too much more detail than that yeah. because I'm not an expert, but um, it's the entire life in South Florida hinges on the water in the Everglades. Mm. It, wow. It's mm. kind of like the Colorado River mm. um, in the Southwest. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we followed a lot of the ports. I think we've probably done the whole river. Um, that is like a lifeline it's like the Nile of the of the country mm -hmm. you know and um you know there's just you've got to look at these water sources and we keep encroaching encroaching and I you know when we were there we could see where the farmland was also encroaching in and we also went out um I know you even uh, talk about you know the different um nonprofits, um like the, the Everglades mm -hmm. there's a foundation all national parks have one which is so important but you know it, it's just, it, it's sad what happens with these places where the encroaching comes in. Um, when we were there, we noticed that mm -hmm. and um, we didn't get to do, go to Big Cypress, but we did go on a boat mm -hmm. and we <laughs> learned how to pull and troll. Oh, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> we went out with the National Parks Conservation Association. Yeah. And so they were talking about a lot of the work and also like Big Cypress is always mm -hmm. under threat for oil. Uh, you know, so there's all of these threats in these, this fragile and incredibly biodiverse system. And going out on the boat was really interesting because that's where, you know, right now, uh, for those watching, uh, Nancy and I are in a swamp. We're in the wetlands. Yes, is, we're in a swamp. The Everglades known as a river of, of grass. Um, but we went out in the water so it, to see where the, the ocean and then here's this wetland area, how that connects. Um, we went out learning about all the efforts um, to get boaters to behave, you know, mm -hmm. and how they do it because of the nesting, the rookeries and the nesting birds. And um, so there's just a lot of work going on, which um, whatever we can all do, we should do. Absolutely. And I mean, that's one of the things I found most fascinating about Marjorie Stoneman Douglas is that, you know, in the early 1900s, the 1920s, she recognized all of this already. I mean, the hmm. Everglades was not the Everglades yet, and it was not a national park yet, but she recognized its value. She saw the development that was going on with the land boom in South Florida at the time. And, you know, just the swamp was almost like there for the taking and being advertised up north as a great place to come and, and build, you know, mm -hmm. to grow tomatoes and build housing. And it just, there was such a lack of appreciation of the importance of the land. And she was one of the first people to kind of have her eyes on the coming crisis of the development of Miami clashing with the importance of the Everglades. Um, so, you know, even a hundred years ago, she had mm -hmm. her eyes on the same situation that we're still talking about and still dealing with. And she stood up for women too. She did, you know, she was not a natural activist. She grew to become one. And um, when she was in college at Wellesley, she became involved with the um, an organization that was promoting women's suffrage. And she she worked very hard. Um, her grandmother who helped raise her and who you know helped send her to college and pay for college very much wanted to see women get the vote before she died. And um, 
you know, something that Marjorie worked for in college. And then years later, when she ended up in South Florida, she became involved with a group of women who went and advocated before the Florida legislature to um, allow women to have the right to vote, which was promptly ignored, completely rudely ignored. And, um, <laughs> but she tried and, and that lit, I think, a spark in her um, and helped her find her voice as an activist. So when she found um, the Everglades and found nature conservation and, and um, preservation, she had already had a taste of what it felt like to really argue and defend something that you care about. I think from her background, through reading your book, I can I can feel that she she developed um, a strength because of what happened to her as a child, and how powerless she felt for such a long time. And I think that's part of what steers you into being an activist or or coming um, to grips with your own decision making and how you're going to do something, when you're going to do something. How strong are you, regardless of whether you're you're male or female? So I think that childhood played a huge part in who she became. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. And I I think, you know, again, this is something I don't know as as a writer and an artist. I sort of superimposed this on Marjorie's story, but mm. I I believe it is entirely possible that she's because of her childhood and the difficulty she felt in her childhood and experiences mm. that she had. When she came to South Florida, when she saw the exploitation of the Everglades and the vulnerability and helplessness of the land, she recognized mm -hmm. herself in that. Yeah. And I mm -hmm. think that's part of what connected her so strongly to it and made her want to fight to save the Everglades. I, I think she really felt the plight of the land on a really internal and deep mm -hmm. level um, because of how helpless she was as a child. She could yeah. see yeah. You know, that's something in wildlife mm. conservation. Um, we've done so many, you know, interviews and, and been in, involved in that for years. And they say that those who really stand up and, and they've become carers because they've they've experienced that in some way in their lives. You know, um, to me, I, I'm just I love the, I love nature and wildlife. And I'm like, we, it's fragile. Mm -hmm. And when we, these places mm -hmm. go away, it's going to hurt us in the long run, but it'll be, it'll be such a bummer, <laughs> you know, it's a, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's so many little things, you know, survive on, um, you know, just like the river grass, you know, to me is important. But also something we found traveling and that's why I got really excited when I found out about your book, I was like, oh my gosh, good. Mm -hmm. Because there were so many women in that time frame that stood up for our parks and our open spaces. Mm -hmm. There was Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. Did I get her name correct this time? <laughs> I get it. Well, you know, she got married twice, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but um, there was uh, Carolyn Dorman in Louisiana. She was an educator, a writer, an artist. And she stood up uh, and she got into trouble because she was a loudmouth. She stood up for what she believed in and um, got in trouble in schools for opening her mouth as a teacher. And uh, she continued on and she ended up, um, if it wasn't for her, they would not have what is known as uh, what is now Kisachi National Forest. Mm -hmm. That whole forest was founded from her. There's people like Priscilla Thew in the Sequoias. Um, Ansel Adams actually his success in helping Kings Canyon become Kings Canyon came from her. She was mm -hmm. a photographer also not known to do this kind of thing in the, you know, in the twenties and thirties, yeah. she went out on horseback on her own and documented and all the area, the land to get people to expand the park. 
So it's like, I've, I'm, I'm now just, I want to do a whole thing on all these women. Mm-hmm. And that's just a scraping of them. They're out there. And they were up against so many things, you know, just. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a book series. Hello? I know. <laughs> yeah, come on. You got to do this. Come on. I mean, did, did you write this because of, um, you know, your connection to it or, you know, just what, who she is, you know, was it kind of, or both? I, it kind of, I came at it from both ends in a way. I mean, I was thinking about what I like to write and how I like mm-hmm. to write. And I, you know, when you opened the show, you were talking about the sense of place in the book mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. actually like what I'm so, I'm most passionate about as a writer. I okay. love creating a sense of place. I love making the place so vibrant that it almost feels like a character in the story. Um, you know, it almost verges on like, like I get to like to be a little too poetic <laughs> and sometimes um, have to remind myself that there needs to be a plot too. Um, so I wanted to write, mm-hmm. I wanted to write a book that had a very powerful place in it. And when I thought about my childhood in the Everglades, the next logical step was, hey, what about Marjorie Stoneman Douglas? I remember learning about her in school. I wonder mm-hmm. if she had, if there's any part of her life that might be interesting because you know, she lived to be 108 years old. Wow. uh, Yeah. And most of the significant work that she did that everybody knows about took place later in her life. Um, So when I started doing research, I looked into what her early life was like. And the more I learned, the more interesting she became to me. And then I, that's how I, that's what I say came at it from both ends. I mean, I thought about place and writing about the Everglades. And then I kind of backed into Marjorie's story and they met you can't talk about one without talking about the other and plus um, you have a crazy chase in there yeah you got I mean come on who doesn't want to be chased through the swamps come on right, the yeah. way- <laughs> I mean it's like you just like, ah. <laughs> I know it's like there's only gators in there but that's the whole thing I, I felt like I was like oh this is cool because the Everglades at night that's something you know I know about wetlands some wetlands at night mostly African uh, wetlands but mm-hmm. I want to I mean, I know that you can go camp on one of those little tiki things. What what are they called? Yeah, um, I think they're called. I don't know. Tiki, something like that. Tiki. There's, a, there's something there where you a can floaty dock. Yeah. Sleep on the. But then you think, well, you know, there's gators in that water. Yeah. And so. Or crocodiles. What if you, what if you roll around a lot and you just fall <laughs> in? <laughs> yeah. well, I actually do have a little story about this. So. When I, when the book came out, I got in touch with one of my elementary school teachers who was very important to me and, and developing my creativity. And I just, oh. you know, of all the teachers that I've had, he's one of the ones that really stands out. So I found him and I got in touch with him and I sent him a copy of the book and we were talking and he said, Lori, do you remember the camping trip that the sixth grade class took to the Everglades um, when you were in my class? And I said, absolutely, I remember. Like page one of the book talks about the pink alligator eyes glowing yeah. in the darkness yeah. and the flashlight. And that came from that field trip. We camped out on those platforms, like you're talking about, which was terrifying. Oh, cool. And <laughs> we went to the whole class and the chaperones and a park guy. Wow. We went on a, a midnight hike um, into Ooh. one of the hammocks where Al Capone had a moonshine still during prohibition because cool <laughs> dude <laughs> cool we're better to make moonshine and not be found out than in the middle of the everglades wow so, and this was such a vivid memory to me that when i was sat down to write the book the, you know the pink alligator eyes in the darkness of the mm-hmm. water 
at night was the first thing I thought of. And I was like, this is where it has to begin. And it was just really great to be able to reach out to my teacher and talk to him about that. Oh, you got to hold up the book for everybody because yeah. yeah, you said you said it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Everyone's got to see that. I love it. I love it. So I'm yeah, too, you know, when you think about um, being a woman and also being out in nature, that's also something unexpected in those days. Weren't we supposed to be proper? You're supposed to be in the kitchen. But not hurt. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. In the kitchen. Yeah. Having babies. That's the two most important things. Well, you know, having a husband and sex. Right. <laughs> okay. Here we go. That's it. Take him camping. <laughs> Basic duties. But, so, so writing this, because um, you've got, it's a novel, yet it's, it's not a biography, but so is the chase more here's the fiction where is that kind of line the chase is absolutely more the fiction um mm. the, the relationship with the person who is chasing her that was very real and and factual um the chase is an artistic interpretation of how that relationship ended um so mm. yeah don't no, no spoilers i remember there was a oh gosh there was a time i'm trying to think if i Remember the there's two or three movies where um... 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All because of a fancy bike? It's not just a bike. Peloton makes treadmills too. Nah, all treadmills are the same. Our treadmills can adjust speed and incline automatically so you never break your stride. Whether you're squeezing in a power walk or training for a marathon, Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try the Peloton Tread risk-free with the 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in nursing into your busy day. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Balance online coursework and in-person, local clinical, practicum, or immersion hours as you work towards graduation while leaving room for what matters. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. The convicts escape from the prison and they run it at night through the Everglades and there's crocodiles and alligators. Or, and, and orchid hunters, yeah. don't forget about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's kind of like, hmm, it's so dramatic in the Everglades, yeah. you know. It's, it's, I find it fascinating and fun. Uh, I think some people could find it pretty frightening. Mm -hmm. I think know? so, yeah. yeah. The first thing mm -hmm. we've experienced when we drove into the Everglades, well, no, I like, because the first thing we did was we went through Shark Valley mm -hmm. and here's all these alligators and you're just walking by alligators. And I'm like, are you, Hello. I mean, this was the closest we felt to like being at home, like, you know, growing up in Africa and, and you know, yeah. and being in the wild a lot. This was like the first thing I'm like, no way. They, I mean, this is America with all their rules. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you can walk next to alligators i'm like this is the coolest thing ever yeah you know but there's just i mean the everglades where it, it's just like the or the bromeliads and the trees you know that mm -hmm. we all think we just get from you know the the local big box store you know it's it, it's a mind-blowing and the gallinules all the bird yes. life it is just yeah. one of those um incredibly amazing areas and she did so much with it um i think also you talk about, you know, learning about her in school, which is important because a lot of these women don't make it to right. be right. But this is your local history, which is important yeah. to have museums and schools interpreting her. 
I wonder about, you know, the shooting at Marjorie uh, Stoneman Douglas at, at that high school. Those teens came out so fast and stood up to yes. speak so fast that I thought, wow, I wonder if it's just, you know, here, that's her name, that's her school. I wonder if they were like embodying her spirit, like when, when they stood up I, to speak. I absolutely agree. I think about that a lot. You know, I finished the first draft of the book just days before that, that shooting happened. Oh, oh wow. And I, you know, it was uh, one thing that I thought was really remarkable. I spoke to you before about when Marjorie went to speak before the Florida legislature about um, women's suffrage and was completely ignored. So almost exactly 100 years later, those Parkland survivors got on a bus and went to Tallahassee days after the shooting. And by the time they got there, the Florida legislature had already decided not to bring a bill to the floor about um, increasing gun control laws. So, you know, the, the kids were on their way there and the legislature had already shut down what they were coming there to advocate for. And it just was such a parallel to Marjorie's experience when she argued before the Florida legislature a hundred years before. Yeah, it's just like that whole even, yeah. Yeah, but I can't help thinking that, you mm -hmm. know, just like Marjorie's experiences in her childhood and, and the traumas that she experienced shaped her into the activist she became, I think that, you know, so many of those, those survivors and those kids from that school that bear her name are going to be able to harness their tragedy and mm. fight for the things that they believe in throughout their lives. I think I think she would be very proud of the kids that came from yeah. the school. That's her name. You know, I think we need to have a balance in uh, politics where it's equal in number between male and female. Mm -hmm. Because until that happens, um, I think when it comes to gun control, you know, the, as females, we're the nurturers. As men, they are the protectors. So there's a there's a deep DNA difference there, yeah. and I think that's always going to affect voting when it comes to. Um, oh boy, I'm going to get so much trouble. When it comes to like um, the right, the, the woman's right to control her own body, let me put it that way. And then then there's the one day we talk about gun control. Mm -hmm. Those those two things, it's they're almost male and feel male and female. Yeah. And and since our balance isn't correct in our um in our Congress and Senate, mm -hmm. the I don't know how we'll ever get to control what happens by um, you know, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, shopping centers and and somebody having a gun or a right to a gun. I mean, I recently read Texas just says now you don't even have to have a permit. Yeah, like, well, that really makes a whole lot of sense. Thanks, guys. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's well. The thing is, you you should be able to speak up, and I think there's a lot of yeah. fear in that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like if we speak up, then okay, half our readers will go, "No, you need to believe the way I believe." Otherwise, mm -hmm. you know, and that's not really. I hope we can get to a point of conversation. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, I think that's the key is the conversation. I mean, I, I think most people are reasonably minded and can talk to each other and, and compromise mm -hmm. and, and see other people's perspectives. And if, if right. most people can have their voices heard and actually listen to each other, I, I think that's where there's room for change. Does mm -hmm. writing the novel, is that also part of it for you for wanting, you know, readers to be inspired to make positive change? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think on, on a number of levels, you know, even environmentalism aside and, and feminism aside, I think that, you know, it's a story of a woman who overcame a lot of challenges and was able to find the strength to make the choices that were right for her, even if they were unconventional and not what she mm. was supposed to do. Um, and I think like that's a valuable message that I hope people take away from it, whether or not they care about the Everglades or not. Um, you know, it's, I think there's that aspect of her story that mm. almost every woman could relate to. Yeah. It'd make a great movie. <laughs> it really would. The chase scenes would be pretty exciting. I, mean, yeah. I know. It's really, it's super. Yeah, but to, to write that, it's interesting because you talk about being poetic in the sense of place yeah. and then having the chase scenes, you really have to have a sense of place to feel the heartbeat, you know? And um, so is that the style of writing? I mean, writing chase scenes and write, putting action in there, is that something you've always wanted to write it or is it just suddenly, oh, we need to do this? Yeah, no, it was... I, the chase scenes, so it, for people- Those are hard. Yeah. <laughs> the, the novel alternates yeah. between the, the short kind of urgent chapters that are these chase scenes and then longer, more reflective chapters that mm -hmm. look back on the rest of her life. And so, you know, the chase scenes serve a few purposes, right? I think they help move the narrative forward. There's a little bit of suspense there and, and um, it propels the story. But it also, it wasn't so much the chase that I've always wanted to write, but kind of really indulging the lyrical and and kind of very flourishy language aspect of things i i knew that kind of writing couldn't be sustained through a whole novel um and so by breaking it up into chunks like that i was able to indulge this this very um mm. theatrical writing style that i like without overdoing it yes mm. that's because yeah, it is hard yeah it's you know yeah especially with nature, because when you're setting up a scene of nature and you really are observant, you see all these things, these mm -hmm. magical things, and it is poetic. I mean, nature is, mm -hmm. you know, this visual poetry and audio, you know, it's, it's this amazing, it's, it's poetic, no matter how you look at it. And mm -hmm. to be able to write that and then not overdo it because you, it's, you feel strongly about right. that. Mm -hmm. and, right. and words are mm -hmm. amazing to play with. I mean, do you ever write songs or, or, um, well, I've, I've tried poetry, um, mm -hmm. but not songs. I'm not a musical person. <laughs> yeah, but poetry is, yeah, I mean, it is connected. I took a whole bunch yeah. of my poems and turned them into songs and just had to change it up a little bit. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, if you like that kind of thing, but it's, that's the thing mm -hmm. about even travel writers and, and natural people who write about nature, there's that balance because you also want to have that creative fiction, nonfiction thing going too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's that it's balance. Real. Yeah, which is why I think historical fiction is so fun. You know, there's yeah. the facts of her life and then to be able to build on it and enhance it and like make kind of metaphorical connections that aren't necessarily there in real life. It's it's really a, a fun adventure. What, did hmm. you do a lot of research on her, like going to museums or there's a lot of her information out there? Yeah, you know, I looked through the University of Miami archives. They have some stuff online. And um, the Miami Herald, which is the newspaper she worked for that her father founded, right. found some old archived articles that were very helpful. But the most helpful thing was she wrote an autobiography um, mm. with someone else, and it's called Voice of the River. And it's very, you know, it's not done in her usual writing style, which is very florid and, and 
lovely and it's it's very like kind of matter of fact this is what happened throughout my life so that's what i used as kind of the most mm. foundational piece of my research so if you could make it into a movie i have to ask <laughs> would you choose to play her um that's a great question um i'm not sure so at the time she would be about 30 years old maybe uh Kira Knightley, if you're listening, Kira. <laughs> yeah, I just I immediately go Meryl Streep. Yeah, oh, because Meryl yeah, because she's got that tough character mm -hmm. of you know, getting yeah. I don't know, just it. She would be good too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just mm. she's uh, just such an incredible story, and and I'm so glad you've kept her story alive because mm -hmm. these women are so important. Also, you know, in the environmental sense. Mm -hmm. um, you know, women, you know, you think about Diana Fossey, Joya Adamson with Elsa mm -hmm. the Lion, Nancy worked with her in Kenya in the bush before she was murdered. Mm -hmm. These were all, you know, back in the day, you think of biologists yeah. and naturalists and, and activists. It was mostly, oh, the men do it, not the women going out there yeah. in the wilds, you know. But the, and look at, <laughs> uh, what's, oh my gosh, the most important one that, oh, come on. Well, there's oh. Jane Goodall. Thank you. <laughs> I need coffee. It's Monday morning. We're recording yeah. this, people. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you look at mm. what they're doing, and they went out there in the middle of nowhere. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's yeah. it's inspiring. And today we have so many women biologists and naturalists out there, mm -hmm. out in the field, in the swamps. Yep doing all this amazing work documenting so we can you know know what needs to be saved where which is pretty much everything everywhere <laughs> yeah. yeah so are you going to go back to i know you're in chicago do you miss florida do you go back to the everglades i do miss florida my brother still lives down there and so you know when i go down to visit him we trek out there and um i it's still there's a, um, it's not quite in the Everglades, but in the Redlands, which is an agricultural area that butts right up against the, the Everglades. There's yeah, a yeah. farm stand that we love. That yes, <laughs> that yes, that big one. That really, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Knott's Berry Farm, I think it is. Um, yes, so we, and it's, it's not the Knott's Berry Farm. It's not, right. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And I, you know, we take the kids there and, and mm -hmm. um, we go cool. out in airboat rides, things like that. I do, yeah. I do. So. Yeah, that we had fun the first year when we got, we did the Shark Valley, we did an airboat. I'm in two minds on that of whether animals like that. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of, yeah, yeah. It, you know, so I'm, I'm weird about that. I've done it and it was cool. It is exhilarating, but I don't, yeah, it's, and we did a show with the National Parks Conservation Association. I brought that up and they're like, environmentally, they are much better than, you know, half of the boats and so mm -hmm. it so mm -hmm. it's just yeah but we um mm -hmm. got in through the main we went through the main entrance and we stopped at this one area the first thing we saw were those big black vultures yeah the turkey. just uh, the yes. big yeah the big black ones not turkey the yeah. big black ones pecking at yeah. people's cars and people had <laughs> you know all around their windshield their <laughs> tin foil and all kinds of stuff to stop <laughs> them from pecking at that I'm yeah. like, this is cool, man. Right. I don't know. It's just so diverse. I I just, I want to go there again. We need to yeah. go, Nancy. We're going to Florida this year. We need to go. Yeah, and we have to see manatees too. That's on the list. Yes. 
Yeah. So we'll do that. But so when we get there, we'll call you. We're going to go, hey, look, here's our gators. Here's our gators. Yeah. So what's next for you? Because I know you've done publishing in other magazines and things, and now you've got your debut novel. So do you get to go to book tour or do you have to zoom around? What, what's yeah, going on? I've been zooming around. Um, <laughs> yeah. When we set up these plans, I wasn't sure that, you know, COVID would be in a place mm. where we could travel. And um, so I've been doing some some Zooms and some virtual bookstore events, which has been really fun. Um, there's some really cool indie bookstores in Florida that have been very awesome. excited about the book. Um, and it's been really fun to find these places that I probably wouldn't have found otherwise. I'm glad to hear uh, it because the more independent bookstores, the more we can support them, the better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's been great. And, um, you know, this whole experience has got my mind percolating to the next book, which I hadn't thought I'd be ready to think about <laughs> for a while. But it's funny, it's, the excitement around this book coming out just got the wheels turning. So I am looking ahead to the next one. So. Yeah, okay. It's going to be a book series. I know. <laughs> I think you should cover all these women. Yeah. <laughs> did all these, you know. There's a lady that did um, the Raptors place up. Uh, there's just so many women that have done this mm -hmm. environmental work. It's exciting. That's really cool. I'm, again, really glad you, you know, mm -hmm. have your story out. I can't wait to keep reading it. It's like, mm -hmm. we're like nonstop kindling. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's very good. Well, keep us posted. Good luck with your next book and, and what happens from here. I hope you do some um, book club events. Because sure, I think I that would be really great. And especially, yeah. I think in Southern Florida, people are going to really want to connect even further. You know, it's their, right. their backyard. So, yeah. but thank yeah. you so much. And everyone, again, uh, Lori's a website and it is, let me go give, <laughs> let me go get it. Uh, Lori McCullen and um, McMullen, excuse me. So L-O-R-I-M-C-M-U-L-L-E-N.com. And the book again is Among the Beasts. Uh, we also want to hope you stay tuned with us here at BigBlendRadio.com. Our shows air Sunday through Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern time. So thanks, everyone. Thank you, Lori. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. This is great. Thank you. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.